This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 241 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Yoda bling. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Fleeceworks, Thin Line Global, and Chasing a Fox in a Little Black Dress. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Howdy. Howdy. We can say that because. It's kind of a, we have a howdy kind of person on with us today, don't we? Yes, we we do. We have a a southern girl, so we're going to have to practice our our southern accents today. Southern accents. How do you be, how are you? I I can't talk today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very good with my southern accent, by the way. This is the kind of day where I should be in print. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You should be writing so you can edit. You need that. You need whiteout. (laughs) (laughs) I do need whiteout. Do they have some kind of radio whiteout? (laughs) Yeah, it's called cut. Redo. <laughs> Called a barking dog in the background. So, uh, wait, so what did I say? I said something stupid. We have a howdy type of person on. No, we have. Uh, we've got two interesting people with us today, don't we? Actually, we have we have a multiple interesting people with us today. Uh, we have our first segment from Elite Equestrian Magazine coming up. That's they're going to be on with us every month. Uh, it's a fun magazine talking all about the uh, lifestyle of the equestrian. So they're going to join us, and we have L.A. Pomeroy is going to be on, and she has a guest coming on. Some of you dressage fans will recognize. His name is Dr. Cesar Para, and uh, was a past Olympian and, and a re- really fun guy. So we're, uh, we're going to be talking to him as well, a little bit about style and bling. And then we have part four in the Leg Protection Series, the last part by Thin Line Global that uh, Jennifer did over with Elaine at Thin Line Global. That's coming up. And then Kristen Harris. She's a musician. She trains wild mustangs and all at the age of 18. And she yodels. And she yodels. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking to her. She's going to be a lot of fun. And, and uh, she, she's won some awards. We'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. So let's get started because we have a lot to do today. We have a lot on the show. So let's go first to Elite Equestrian Magazine. They're going to be with us m- every month with their Elite Equestrian Review. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are in their magazine and, and maybe get a guest or two on. L.A. Pomeroy is a writer for Elite Equestrian. And she's going to be on with us today leading the parade as we talk to Dr. Cesar Para. Well, hi, L.A. Welcome to the show. Hey, well, thank you, Glenn. Thanks for having me and uh, Elite Equestrian. We're glad to be here. Yeah, we appreciate you guys joining us once a month. We're excited to have you on and to learn more about Elite Equestrian. And also, some of the you're going to help us out with some of the cool articles that are being written over there. And we're all hoping that we learn a little something along the way. Tell me first, what is Elite Equestrian? Well, Elite Equestrian is a uh, wonderful glossy format, uh, both print and online publication that uh, has been dedicated to, as, as they love to quote the motto from Ralph Waldo Emerson, riding, is a ho- riding a horse is not a gentle hobby to be picked up and laid down like a game of solitaire. It is a grand passion. So I like to think that we're serving uh, the horse owner and equestrian investor who who really lives to the grand passion of the equestrian lifestyle, uh, or in simpler terms, what a horse crazy. <laughs> <laughs> how is it? How is it different from some of the other magazines that are out there? 
I would say that uh, the difference is that while, of course, we, we all put the horse number one, um, we also try to recognize some of the unique and celebrated people uh, behind the scenes. And because, of course, uh, thanks to technology, our entire horse world is getting smaller, uh, we can do that on a very broad international scope. Uh, for instance, uh, I don't think any place else but Elite Equestrian are you going to find out who cleans the kitty litter box in the Talbert uh, household uh, in our interview with the new USCF president? You know, <laughs> any, anybody can ask the, the, uh, the typical questions, but we get down to the, shall we say, nitty-gritty. That's why I like you guys, because you're, you're more like what we do over here at the Horse Radio Network. Was We also try and have a little fun with it, because we can all take ourselves a little too seriously at times. You know, what I've found in 30-plus uh, uh, years in this business, I had the privilege of starting off with the U.S. Equestrian Team's Public Relations Office. So I've really worked uh, with the people who were my heroes when I was a kid. But uh, what's wonderful is that all along the way, you realize that horse people still put their britches on one leg at a time. Yeah, and we all, you know, we do this because we, we we all try and have fun at it. Now, some days it seems better than others when you're dealing with horses, but uh, you know, for overall, we all have a good time and that's why we're here and that's why we're doing it. Our love of the horse and also, you know, we enjoy it. It's it's fun for us. It's like golf for, you know, golfers. Um, you know, exactly. It, it's what we do. And I, I kind of like the magazine that way. Uh, you had, a, you know, well, let's just go over a few of the articles that you had in this month to give people an example of the kinds of things that they'll find in it. Terrific. This uh, March-April edition, which uh, folks will be able to find at the uh, New Jersey Fresh if they're uh, anywhere near the uh, horse park uh, for the uh, three-day event coming up in uh, the beginning of May. But uh, what our issue focused on was polo. So we both try to reach uh, the grassroots enthusiast with a clear uh, explanation of what the game is and uh, really goes into the detail of even including what each of the different you have your four players on a team what each of those different positions uh, is supposed to do i'm uh, also a basketball aficionado so uh, appreciating uh, the strengths of different positions you know is something that really pulls you into the game and then of course we and that's something that none of us understand when we watch polo <laughs> it just looks like a bunch of pe- bunch of guys running up and down the you know up and down the field uh, whacking the ball. That's well, yes, you yeah. know, and uh, depending on how p- many pims and pink lemonade you've had, yeah. uh, it becomes <laughs> <laughs> they even go faster. <laughs> you, you you see more horses on yes, the field, that's right. and they're going really fast. Now you know, yeah. So like you know, the the second player. Did you know one of the polo players on team is kind of referred to as the spark plug? He's sort of the attack, uh, the attacker, the uh, offensive player. So how's that? It's like spark plug. Now, now you can stand at a polo match and drop that word, and people will think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know about stomping divots. Uh, I'm an expert uh, divot stomper and an expert drinker at the sidelines. Well, there's part of a, a tradition and part of the lifestyle aspect, I think, sets uh, elite equestrian apart, is uh, we devote as much editorial attention to tailgating. Uh, so, and, and, you know, tailgating, you can do a basic, your, your red and white checkered blanket and your straw basket, or you can have it from the back of the uh, rented Rolls Royce or have a theme. Themes have included NASCAR, which, you know, kind of a horsepower thing going on. I can understand that. Or w- another theme done was Scooby-Doo. I'm not sure how they got to that, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. And, and that's the bottom line. Well, and you devote uh, pages in here, too, to products uh, products, and, and also to art. There's a section in this magazine on art as well. Um, so it really, truly is a lifestyle kind of magazine. If you ask just, uh, you know, I consider myself part of my own demographic. Uh, I don't think there's uh, a horse lover out there who doesn't confess to doodling and drawing horses probably on the top of that white space on the lined spiral-bound notebook paper. And uh, because 
we love that. And it's, it's an entire niche market of, of really amazing work, whether you're talking of Stubbs uh, and Alfred Munnings, uh, or if you're looking at, say, you know, the, the German uh, Impressionist, uh, uh, Blue Fared. But we loved having on our cover uh, Ron Lesser. I mean, this is, this, he is his almost photographic quality of catching the, the power of the game of polo uh, is, is just phenomenal. We were so grateful to have him uh, on the cover. He, he studied at the Pratt Institute. I mean, the guy's got chops. Well, and of course, now you can find, uh, you can get a subscription to Elite Equestrian, or you can find uh, the online version at EliteEquestrian.us is where you can find it. But you have a guest coming on the show today of an article that you did, right? I, I do indeed. I have the pleasure of uh, being the contributing lifestyle editor for Elite Equestrian. And with that, we do a regular series called His and Hers. And it's a column that uh, tries to, the horse we call the great equalizer, uh, men and women compete equally in the Olympics on the horse. So we thought we would keep with that topic and give equal voice to both his and hers opinions within the horse world. So I have a different guest his with me uh, in each month's column. And uh, the one coming up, we're talking about bling in the ring, uh, particularly in the chassage ring, and uh, have the pleasure of talking with our uh, U.S. Pan-American Games and uh, an Olympic veteran dressage rider, Dr. Cesar Parra. Very good. Well, let's get Dr. Para on and have a chat. And, Glenn, I'm thank- I want to thank you once again for having me and Elite Equestrian on your show this morning. And I'm really excited that uh, I was able to bring a, a guest on with us. Uh, as I'd mentioned, each issue of Elite Equestrian features in its uh, art, fashion, and home section a column called His and Hers, which gets a, a viewpoint on equestrian lifestyle uh, topics between both hers, myself, and a guest his. And in the upcoming May issue, we're going to be talking about bling in the ring with, uh, I'm very excited and humbled to say, um, both a Pan-American and Olympic Games veteran and the operator of PF Performance in Jupiter, Florida and White House Station, New Jersey, Dr. Cesar Parra. Welcome, Cesar. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Well, uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're very kind. I mean, you've always been so, so kind, so I'm very, very grateful for those words. And um, I'm very delightful to be with you guys in this morning. It's a lovely morning in Florida. It's cool, 65 degrees. It's always lovely in Florida. <laughs> Sometimes Especially when you don't live in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess in the wintertime you're right. <laughs> We do. I live in Ocala, uh, Dr. Paris, so I know exactly what you're talking about, and uh, I am definitely enjoying this winter when we're not having the snow that Helena is. Yes, and yeah. uh, she can come and visit us anytime. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'll be there tomorrow. How's noon? <laughs> All right. Tell us the flight number we pick you up. <laughs> I'll start packing my Louis V now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because I, I, I in Massachusetts have forgotten what that, that fiery ball in, in the sky uh, looks like. Say uh, uh, sorry, if you've been having sunlight, have you been seeing the sparkle of a lot of bling in the ring down there uh, at the Florida shows? Uh, we do it a little bit more and more. I, don't, I think the dressage riders, we are by nature a little bit more conservative. So... It's not that you see it a lot, but yes, you see a little bit around the edges of the boots with the ladies, you know, and a little bit on the saddles, and you can see a little bit more than before also on the bridles. I, and do any of your uh, students ride with it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, most of the girls use a little bit of it, and myself, I do a little bit on the brow bands. Hmm. Um, yeah, I like it. You know, I have the, like I told you before, I had the, the colors of our flag, and I like it. I, I like very much that, you know, the red, white, and blue. I guess like anything, if you have a little bit here and there, it's a nice expression of your personal style. You know, if you overdo it, then it becomes a problem. I guess you don't want to distract. Exactly. From... I think, but I think that goes with anything, Alina. Anything that you overdo, normally uh, it will have the opposite effect. 
I don't know. I'd like to see Dr. Para in one of those uh, NASCAR outfits while riding sometime with all the stickers and the the uh, 5,000 advertisements. What do you think? Is it going to come to that ever, Dr. Para? you think? Uh, I don't know, but I think that'd be interesting if we can earn what those guys earn. That'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, now they're talking about that we have to wear a helmet. Uh, I think after next week, we must wear a helmet in any competition in the United States, uh, even if you're riding Grand Prix in the national classes. So I think that would be uh, a good chance to start changing also the outfit, you know, because if we have to wear a helmet, I think the helmet would go much better with something else than the tails, but I'm not the one to decide. <laughs> oh, that's that's a great point that that new ruling is is going into effect so soon. Have uh, have have you felt uh, any response to it? Is it also is it also mandatory for if you're doing warm up on the grounds? You must have a helmet all the time. Period. If you are on a horse, you must have a helmet. And before was in the lower level classes, which means up to fourth level, we have first level, second level, third level, fourth level. To that level, you will have to have uh, the helmet. And then when you go into the FEI, which means international level, which is Prince and George, Intermediate 1, 2, and Grand Prix, you were able to wear the top hat. But now it's nationally, we must wear a helmet too. What brands, what types of, uh, of helmets uh, do, you, do you prefer? Well, right now, I'm very happy with my Antares. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, I mean, it's a very good helmet. It's very good looking, and you can use it in different colors, and, I mean, they have all kinds of designs. So I think it makes it more interesting, you know, than just a normal helmet. That it, I, I don't know. It looks like a bowling ball, but... <laughs> right, yeah, right. There is, I have to say, um, in the, I think it's the current issue of um, of your magazine of Elite Equestrian, there's an advertisement by Sam Shield that shows a helmet with the Svorsky crystals. That's right. It? It's one of our, we, we called it one of our woe factor products in uh, in the review that we do in each issue of what's new and trending uh, in styles. That is a stunning helmet, and I think it would look gorgeous in the dressage ring. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, page 33, uh, in case uh, you uh, listeners uh, out there are interested, page 33. I, mean, uh, I love uh, one of our writers, Katie Riley, she just uh, bought him a helmet with a little bit of bling. It looks very beautiful. Um, I don't think I want to have one of those myself, but she looks gorgeous on it. So but, I guess it depends who's wearing it. Well, you know, and I think out of the ring, too, Dr. Para, we, we've seen a lot more of the Western influence coming in. It started with uh, the jumpers, and now I, I see a lot of dressage riders with the big, with the big belt buckles and, and, you know, even cowboy boots. They really are adopting a little of the Western style outside the ring. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, something uh, something that is always comes out and goes, you know, the the Western look. Yeah. Uh, actually, I was uh, last weekend. Uh, I was invited to the ballet, and it was this um, piece of American ballet. Actually, one of the few pieces that were made in the early ages of the ballet in America, and it's called Rodeo. And it's about the cowboy, yep. ballet, ah. cowboy customs. That was kind of interesting to see uh, how how deep that is in our culture and how proud we are of our cowboys. Well, I, being a horse husband, I will say I never argue with how tight the jeans are on the Western girls. I'm just saying. It's just a... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I have to agree with you. I like, I like that. I knew you'd be right there with me. Yeah, you, 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 I really support you on that. Well, you know, we, we gals, too, have, have to say, you know, we don't mind going to the rodeo because, you know, you cowboys look as good walking away from us as you, as you do coming. All right. Okay. Okay. Next question. I never well, thought know, this it, show would deteriorate like this with Dr. Para on. But, uh. Well, you know, it's funny, too, that you should mention the genes, because the, the current His and Hers column, where I spoke with um, uh, Bill Shelton of Leftfield uh, Creative Marketing, who uh, uh, has been one of the only sort of outside-the-horse-business marketing ad people who has brought uh, equestrian companies 
to the top of advertising uh, campaign awards. He's, he's a really smart, colorful guy. And we discussed the new Wrangler gene that uh, has the uh, emollients uh, worked into the threads. So it's a moisturizing gene. And I believe Bill's basic comment came down to, uh, if I want my, mo- my genes moist, it's going to be for the right reasons. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. I'm not touching that one at all. <laughs> Just Dr. Parrott, tell us. There you go. There you go. You know, uh, uh, elite equestrian is not above uh, uh, having having a little bit of fun and laughing at its at its own industry when possible. (laughs) Hell no! Yeah, uh, count me in. uh, Sign me up. Give me the here because I think personally that's one of the biggest factors that is missing in the horse industry, at least I talk for the fast. You know, it's, it's for me sometimes very sad to go to a horse show, and you can count with the fingers of your hand how many people are really laughing or smiling at a show. You know, I think it's so important to enjoy the every day, especially when you're with the horses. I think it's so much fun just to laugh and smile and being totally serious. I mean, we are serious, but you don't have to be so serious. I, I, I would have to agree. I remember at the uh, 1996 uh, Atlanta Olympic Games, uh, during the, uh, the, the dressage performances, the ring stewards came out and did a little can-can. You know, you've got to drag the ring. The, the, the ring drag is the interminable amount of time that we all must endure. But uh, the stewards came out and locked arms and kicked their legs up and just goofed around. And you could, you could feel that, you know, every, wow, everybody breathed. Instead of being like a Hunter Eck rider in your first class where you hold your breath for, for the entire uh, course, uh, there was this exhalation and, and laughter, and that's, uh, uh, that's, that's essential. We need to laugh and breathe, and it will benefit our horses, too. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you, guys. We're running out of time here. We re- Dr. Perry, I really appreciate you joining us for this little bit of silliness today. It was a lot of fun. Tell us where people can learn more about your program. Well, they can always join us um, in the winter. We are in Florida and Jupiter, uh, something called Jupiter Farms. Uh, you can wait on our website. You know, you can just Google Dr. Cesar Parra or PF Performance Farms. And in New Jersey, we are just half an hour west of New York City. Very good. Well, thank you both uh, th- for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Parra. Thank you, L.A., and thank you to Elite Equestrian. We'll talk to you again next month. Thank you, Glenn and Helena. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian merino wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance, and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. Well, next coming up, uh, Helena, we have part four, the final part of the leg protection series. We get good good response to this. People are learning a lot. Uh, this is Coach Jen for over at the uh, Horse Tip Daily Show did this with Elaine from Thin Line Global. And if you missed the past parts of this series, you can go to Horse Tip Daily and you'll find them over there. You can go through all four parts. Uh, it's been very informative. And Thin Line Global is offering a coupon to the listeners of the Horse Radio Network and the Stable Scoop Radio Show. You can get 12% off your next to order at Thinline Global of anything you buy, just go to thinlineglobal.com and in the coupon code section at checkout, put radio and you'll get 12% off your entire order. So we thank Thinline Global for, for helping out and for offering that to our listeners. We really appreciate that. So here's part four of that series. Hi, everybody. This is Coach Jen, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show here on the Horse Radio Network. Thanks for joining us for the conclusion of our four-part series on leg protection for your horse. 
In the first three installments of the series, with the expert help of Elaine Lockhead, we've covered who needs leg protection, why they need it, and the function of the many types of boots available to today's equestrians. This educational series has been produced in cooperation with ThinLine Global, and they've created a special offer just for our listeners. When you go to thinlineglobal.com and purchase any ThinLine product, be it protective boots, pads, or other accessories, type the word RADIO in the promo code at checkout and receive 12% off your online purchase. And now I'd like to welcome back Elaine Lockhead. Thank you. It's lovely to be back. In this final installment of our four-part series on uh, leg protection, we're going to be covering fitting boots, um, how to take care of your boots, and the durability factor with your boots. And Elaine Lockhead from Thin Line Global is here to help me out because she seems to know everything boot, and thank goodness she does. So let's cover fit first because unless you get a pair of boots or a set of boots that fit properly, nothing else really much matters. So what should I be looking for in a good fit? The most important thing to look for is to make sure that that boot is not shifting around. If it's, if it's moving and you, it's probably too large. And if the horse, if the horse boot is moving on the horse's leg, it's going to cause you a lot of problems. The horse is not going to be comfortable and it could be dangerous if the boot actually shifts down on to the hoof area. Oh, golly. Yeah, that would be, that would be very ugly. Too large. Yeah. We also don't want to go too small. One of the most important things whenever you're applying a, any kind of equine leg protection is you always pull from, if you've got a piece of elastic that closes with a Velcro, you pull the elastic around, close it down on the Velcro, and then generally there's a second Velcro that goes on top of that to secure it. The most important thing to remember is you always pull from the front where the cannon bone is, to the back of the leg. You never pull against the tendon. And that's when you get tendon damage. Oh. You always pull from the front to the back of the leg and then secure your Velcro. So if your boot is too small and you're pulling really hard and you could just get the fastening thing and you've got a death grip on your horse's leg, he's not going to be very happy about that. No. So we want to just try that and make sure that the boot has a reasonable fit. It's not rocket science. You you can have something like a galloping boot or a brushing boot that goes around the whole leg, and it can close on top of itself a little bit, or it can have a little bit of a gap. So it's really a pretty wide range that is an, a tolerable range to use. So you don't have to be really OCD about your boot size most of the time. You kind of want to get in the right neighborhood and you'll be all right if you just look for those things. Make sure the boot's not shifting and make sure that you're not having to pull it extremely tight to get it on. Now, Most most, most companies have sizing charts on their website. Oh, yeah. And so read the label, right? <laughs> you can read the label and you can measure your horse. Some I, I, Some companies it's very difficult because they will have so many different boot sizes you know it's not like helmets riding helmets for instance you have to have a different helmet size for every eighth of an inch because your helmet has a fit perfectly boots are not that way and if you have to look at a grid with 47 sizes you probably should stay away from that boot because that means the way it's manufactured is it has to fit exactly there are many good boots out there that if you kind of get in the neighborhood, it fits well, it'll mold to the horse's leg, it will work perfectly. So that's kind of one thing you might want to look out for. You really don't want to feel like when you go shopping for boots that you just are inundated with choices. Your selective job has a couple, oh, you know, small, medium, or large. There you go. Um, when you're fitting a boot on a horse... Most boots nowadays, the buckles seem to be, a strap with a buckle seems to be out of vogue right now. Most boots seem to close with a Velcro. How do you deal with that little flap of Velcro that the pokey part is longer than the soft, squishy part? Would you recommend trimming them off or do people tape them down? I wouldn't, well, no, I wouldn't cut them off because then the Velcro tends to fray. 
Uh-huh. Um, if you're, if when you close your boot, you have, you know, an, more than about a quarter of an inch up to a half an inch left over. Mm-hmm. And what you've done is you have selected a boot that has an elastic that was too inexpensive. And the Ooh. elastic pulls too much. And what happens when you pull, when you have inexpensive elastic, it is no longer elastic because it pulls out to 100% of the pull rate and then it does nothing. You want a boot that flexes. Think about how much of the horse's leg is moving. You need your boot to be able to kind of open and close a little bit as the horse is going. So if you find that you have a lot of Velcro left at the end, you've probably purchased a boot that was, I don't want to say too inexpensive, but you need to make sure that the elastic on the boot is a good sturdy, durable elastic and not something that's thin and is just going to pull out straight and be useless. Yeah, we've all seen that elastic that after a few uses, um, when the elastic is no longer under tension, it gets that kind of wobbly, it looks like an overcooked egg noodle. That's not the elastic you want? No. So if my horse is getting chafe marks on his legs where his boots go, can that be caused by a too tight boot or a too loose boot or both? It could actually be caused by both. It's most likely to be caused by a um, too loose boot, and then you have to take a look at the material inside. Um, there are a lot of materials that chafe the horse's leg. Leather is actually one. We use leather so much in equine products just because that was what was available up until the last 50 years or so. So you find a lot of leather in horse products and then people oil that leather and then the leather is slippery and then it irritates the oil irritates the horse's leg and you get this whole cycle of problems going on and other products like uh, some horses are allergic to or have a reaction to neoprene and some horses have a reaction to latex and some horses have a reaction to a lot of the products that go inside of a boot um, the easiest product to use is, well, no, almost no horse has a reaction to sheepskin, but that's very difficult for a person to manage in a boot because they tend to get very dirty. But at least that would never chafe and rub. And then, of course, the thin line never chafes and rubs. Very interesting. So look, check into that fit, people. So with um, durability, we touched on that a little bit with the gappy, overcooked egg noodle elastic. What should folks look for in their boots that's going to tell them it's time to replace the boot or have the boot repaired? One of the things I like to do with the boot is find, if you don't have a strike plate on your boot or if there's part of the boot that doesn't have a strike plate on it, if you'll just take your thumb and your finger and squeeze, if you can feel your own thumb and your own finger, then that means the product inside the boot has deteriorated to such a point that it's doing nothing for your horse. So when you touch a boot, if you press down on it, you should not be able to feel your own fingers on either side of the inside of that boot. Cool. I never would have thought of that. Do you recommend, if you've got a pair of boots that, let's say, the Velcro bits have worn out? Because sometimes, especially if you have a lot of dirt where your boots live and they have to, they're have to, they getting washed a lot and there's a lot of abrasion, can you replace the Velcro safely? Have it taken off by, the, by your local tack repair store and, and new Velcro put on? Well, I suppose you could, but as an American, I can't seem to find anybody who can repair something as cheaply as I can replace it. <laughs> Well, see, right from the right from the manufacturer's mouth, right there you That's go. Right. That's right, exactly. And then, too, you never know. Is somebody going to do an appropriate job? Are they going to sew and create a rub point? Are they going to mm-hmm. sew, not put in stitching that's the way, you know, when we make a boot, we spend years researching how to make that boot and how to make it so that it will not fail. And, you know, a piece of elastic will not break. Something will not give. But one of the important things that the customer has to do to make sure a boot 
or a bell boot doesn't fail is they have to keep their Velcro clean. You know, if you have a little wire brush or even just a hard dandy brush at your barn when you take your boots off, make sure that you brush out the dirt from the Velcro because if you don't, Velcro doesn't close dirt encased in it. So Velcro and dirt do not get along. No, they don't. But they Which like bring... each other. They like each <laughs> other. There we go. Which, of course, brings us to our next, our, our next and final wrap-up here for uh, a horse's leg care products here. When you take care of your boots, sort of give me Boot Care 101, because there are things that people do to clean their boots which just don't sound like a good idea. Well, I would first say only put leather products on leather. Uh, we see a lot of people who try to put oils on other materials. Like not a good idea at all. Not, no, it will destroy that product. So only put leather, leather cleaning products on leather. Um, most other products can be used, can be washed with simple soap and water, just kind of a simple detergent. And then pretty much every manufacturer has a special cleaning agent that you can buy. And sometimes that, what that does, if you use that cleaning agent, is it, it will extend your warranty on your product. So that's often a good idea to invest a little bit in that. But generally, just a little soap and water. Um, some items you can bleach, so you need to check with the manufacturer to make sure that you can add bleach to the wash cycle if you're washing them. And if you're wearing boots, what I do is, you know how you can buy those little net laundry bags, washing um, machine? Yeah. And all products have Velcro. Things tend to want to get stuck on each other, and things get pulled in the washing machine. So you want to put some put your products maybe in one of those net bags and wash them like that, and generally they're good. And, oh, I forgot one other thing. When you're taking off a boot that has Velcro, make sure that you hold down the bottom Velcro, take off the tab, because if you pull the tab and don't support the underlying Velcro, then what you're doing is decreasing the longevity of your boot because you're going to be pulling against that elastic and pulling against the mainframe of what supports the boot. So always use two hands when you're taking off a boot and pull up your your securing Velcro tab and then pull your Velcro off. Oh, oh, very good points. I love that whole mesh bag idea. And you can get them very inexpensively at the uh, the, the myriad of dollar stores that are around. Absolutely, And they're, they'll save you a lot of money just by spending a few pennies on something like yes. that. Yes, and one of the things that I've learned the hard way is I close the Velcro when I put them in the wash so that the boots don't turn themselves into a, a little rat's nest of Velcro attached in all the wrong directions. That's right. <laughs> well, once again, a very informative chat, Elaine. Tell folks where they can find Thin Line on the web and learn more about uh, good quality boots and all the technology that goes into them. You can find us at thinlineglobal.com. Thinlineglobal.com. Does Thin Line have a Facebook page? We do. So you can search on Facebook for Thin Line, all one word? Thin Line, all one word. And it's actually, it's a really fun page. And if you are a Facebook fan, you often get coupons that nobody else gets to see. <gasps> Top secret, and you heard it here on the Horse Radio Network. Thin Line Global coupons on the Facebook page. Check it out. Thanks again, Elaine, and uh, we'll see you around. Great. Thank you. And happy riding. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you have not yet listened to parts one, two, and three of this leg protection series, you can find them at horsetipdaily.com. Just type leg protection in the search bar in the top right-hand corner of the page. And you can also find them at thinlineglobal.com. Kristen Harris is just as sweet as they come. She's 18 years old, and she's from Texas. And um, she actually just released her second CD called Let Me Ride. So I don't know about you guys, but like I haven't even released one CD. This kid's 18 <laughs> and she's released two. She's the winner of the 2012 Western Music Association Crescendo. 
there, Crescendo Award. See, this is why I should be in print today. <laughs> um, but she's, she does so many things. She sings, she writes songs, she plays guitar, she yodels and has won some yodeling awards. But what we love her for, most of all, is that she actually works with and trains Mustangs. And she has one of her very own, and she's going to tell us all about her Mustang and um, a little bit about what else she does when she's not training. And I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll do something a little special here today. Leading into her interview, I'll play you a little bit of The Horse Nobody Could Ride. It's one of her songs. So let's play a little bit of that, and then we'll talk to Kristen Harris. Kristen to the Stable Scoop Show. Howdy! It's so good to have you on, and it's I'm so excited to talk to you. We introduced you a little earlier and told about all your awards and all that stuff, and that you're you're a horse girl through and through. Let's start with the let's start with the music. How did that come about? Well, uh, actually, that came about because of my horses. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, my family isn't musical at all. And when I was 14, I had uh, two horses then. I uh, just did, I have a one quarter horse. He's 27 years old now and pretty much retired. And I had just adopted uh, my first Mustang, and so I was really into horses. And I was kind of uh, really getting into just Western culture and liking uh, the whole Western lifestyle. And so I started watching uh, old Western movies, Roy Rogers and <laughs> Dinatri and that kind of thing, <laughs> and uh, saw them playing guitar and decided I wanted to learn. So uh, I picked up a guitar and I bought a book that uh, taught you some basic chords and started teaching myself. And uh, it kind of went on from there. Um, I, I performed first time at an open mic thing and in my local area. and uh, oh, Were you nervous learned, as all get out, Kristen? Oh, my goodness. I couldn't even <laughs> breathe. I was, I was, <laughs> I'm really a shy person by nature, and it's so ironic that I got into something like standing up on stage and performing to a bunch of people. And uh, so it took me a while. But when I first sang on stage, uh, you know, I, I had practiced my songs, and, and I, I would sing the songs, but you couldn't have paid me a million dollars to talk into the microphone. <laughs> and so that, that took a while for me to get used to. Um, how I really got into the more professional performing and got better and got performing experience was um, I, at that open mic, uh, someone was there and told me that I needed to go the Cowtown Opry in uh, the Fort Worth Stockyards here in Texas, and uh, and they perform Western music, and they're just a nonprofit group that that does free shows to the public once a week. And so I went there, and uh, they let me perform, and so I started coming back every week, and uh, I got a lot better on my guitar because I was watching uh, some of the other musicians play and kind of copying what they did, and um, started learning new songs and that helped get me comfortable with being on stage. And so that was back in 2009. So you're uh, completely for, self-taught with the guitar and with singing? Never had a lesson? Right. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm a very visual learner. And so being able to watch other people um, is really how I... I learned, and, you know, there there were people who gave me tips and uh, and helped me with some things, but never really had formal formal training on anything. And uh, Devin Dawson, she's the head of the Cowtown Opry, and she uh, plays 
wonderful Western swing guitar, and I saw her play the first time and just knew I wanted to learn that. And so I kept coming back to watch her play and and really would, like, cement the the visual of what she was doing with her hands in my mind and go back home and practice it. And uh, so that's, that's how I learned. Do you, you, you uh, do, do you read music? I don't read music, no. Uh, I play by ear. Most, most people in Western music, uh, I think that's the case. We don't read music a lot. Because, uh, I don't know, I, you know, I, I don't play lead guitar, I just play rhythm, which is like chords, and, um, and I sing, and so... Uh, it comes from a very deep I guess place. it would be good to learn the theory behind it all someday, but... But it comes from a very natural place inside of you, like uh, something that is very rhythmical and passion. It comes from your emotional center. Oh, know? absolutely. Right? So yeah. it just kind of comes and flows. And I think we hear that in your music, which is, uh, which is lovely, which is Thank lovely. Thank you. And, Thank and so now you just released um, this year. This is your second CD. Yes. yes. So um, I, do you usually start with a particular song that sets the tone I mean, I know this is only your second release, but um, do you, is there one particular song or event that sets the tone for the whole project? Oh, how does well, that work? Um, the project really is a combination of just a bunch of songs that I love, and um, the, the 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 album is called "Let Me Ride," and there's a title cut called "Let Me Ride Down a Rocky Canyon." And uh, I think I sent that one to y'all. But uh, I also have uh, quite a few horse songs on my CD, which comes as no surprise to people who know me. And um, and some classic Western swing, some songs about Texas, uh, and and that kind of thing. So I'm not sure there's a real overall theme other than that it's just who I am. And a little, and, a, and there is kind of an overall theme, and that's horses, isn't it? Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's your that's overall theme. Am. Yep. Yes. Well, tell us now, you, you, when did you get your first wild Mustang, and and uh, was was it completely wild? Had it had any work put on it at all? No human contact uh, before I got her. Okay, I got her. I'm trying to remember exactly, but uh, it was pretty. It was. I think maybe six months or something before I got into the music. Uh, I think I was 13, uh, 12 or 13 or 14. And um, I I just had had one horse previously, which is my quarter horse, and he's a retired barrel racer. Uh, I got him as a 19-year-old, already retired. He was supposed to be a good bomb-proof first horse. So you went and, from uh, a nineteen-year-old bomb-proof first horse to an untrained, unbroke, untouched Mustang at the age of thirteen. We Where were your parents? Uh, <laughs> they were watching from a distance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a safe distance. <laughs> well, uh, my my first horse, he was actually not quite as bomb-proof as he was supposed to be, and uh, the first few times I rode him, he bucked me off. Oh, there you um, go. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I tell people he taught me how to ride because uh, you know you get bucked off a couple times and you learn how not. No, he taught you off. how to fall. See, that's what he. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, but but it was with him. I started. Uh, I had you know I was real determined to kind of get him out of. He he liked to bolt and he liked to buck, and I wanted to break him of those bad habits and, and kind of train him out of that. And uh, so I started working with, I didn't know what I was doing because uh, my family really aren't horse people at all either. Um, but I read a lot of books and uh, watched, you know, I, I, I read techniques of lots of other trainers and uh, watched videos. And I think I went and watched some clinics and things and, I was also in 4-H, and uh, so I was, I was learning some stuff and uh, kind of started working with him, and, and he got to be a lot better. And so uh, I just 
saw, I think, an advertisement for adopting a wild Mustang and just begged my parents to let me do it. And uh, so Velvet came from Wyoming. She was in a wild herd up in Wyoming. And uh, I bought her for $125 at an auction. Um, and she came home, and she was very, very wild. I mean, I didn't even know what to do with her. The hardest part was getting even her to trust me enough to get close or come and touch her because she would run bucking and snorting all across the pasture, and neighbors didn't believe that I'd ever be able to get on her back because they'd see her so crazy. And uh, and so it, I really took my time with it. Uh, it was months before I started touching her and, uh, but I discovered Mustangs are so smart. Um, once, once she started letting me get up to her and pet her and stuff, then, uh, I got the first halter on her. And I mean, I, everything I was, you have to have, I learned you have to have tons of patience, tons of patience and, and keep trying and, uh, so I finally got the halter on her, and from there, she just learned everything so quickly. I taught her to lead, and uh, and loading in the trailer that kind of took a while, and um, more. It takes a while and, for horses that aren't mustangs. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The nice yeah. thing about a mustang is that they're you know a completely clean slate. You know, n- no other humans have taught him taught them things that you don't know what they are or maybe bad habits. But they are uh, definitely, they have a mind of their own. How long did and, you uh, work with your Mustang, be- the first one, before you started backing them, before you got to the point where you could actually get on? I think it was probably a year. Well, I bought her, she was only 18 months old, so she wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't even ready old enough anyway. to be ridden. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think it was... About a year or uh, a year and a few months before I actually got on her back. Uh, and when I did, it was just perfect. Uh, you know, she was didn't buck or run off or anything. She just kind of accepted it because I had done a lot of preparation to get her ready for that day. And, um, boy, since then, she's she's like my best friend. I can do almost anything on her and, uh, well, not anything. I mean, I'm not you know, an expert level. I don't claim to be an expert ever on training horses, but uh, I, I ride her bareback and bridleless, and, uh, you know, she can do some pretty cool stuff. And so... So she's pretty well broken. You've actually done parades with her and all, all, all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. And then yes. you decided that that wasn't enough. You wanted to do it all over again. And... <laughs> Yes. You you were in the 2012 Supreme Extreme Mustang Makeover down there in Fort Worth, right? That's right. And how'd That's that right. go? Well, uh, the the second little Mustang, I had Velvet already, so I named him Corduroy. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I love that name. <laughs> he is just the sweetest little thing. I call him Roy for short. And um, he's a, Velvet is a, a dark brown you know, she gets black in the wintertime and kind of lightens up in the summertime. And, and Roy is a sorrel. And um, so he, uh, it was either that, I mean, he hadn't had previous human contact either, but uh, he'd been uh, at a facility for a while. Uh, and so it was either that I had learned a lot from training Velvet, uh, which was the first Mustang, or that he was, maybe not quite as wild. We brought him home, and uh, within the first week, uh, I was able to touch him and halter him and um, and lead him around. And since uh, he, he, I, he was a yearling when I got him back in May, and so the competition was just training groundwork because uh, he was too young to be ridden also. And so I... Uh, I started working with him on, you know, loading in the trailer, and he. I was real proud of him. You know, he could pivot and side pass and pick up his feet and stand for the farrier, and 
loading the trailer and riding arenas or pastures and uh just do a, he was he was doing real good and uh so I I was not you know expecting to win anything and it turned out he didn't make the top 20 um at the competition but I was real proud of how he did and uh, I still think he's he's going to be a great riding horse once he gets big enough to to get on him so well, I thank you, by the way, for doing that and for helping out with the Mustangs. Helene and I and everybody here at the Horse Radio Network really support uh, finding them homes, safe homes, you know, with people like you yeah. who are willing to take their time, because that, that is what they need. They need a lot of patience. They need somebody who is willing to put in the hours like you did, and, and uh, you know, that's what's going to make, you know, this whole situation, this whole terrible situation with the Mustangs much better is people like you. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. You bet. Good job. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Now you can't yodel around them, right? Because that would just freak them out. <laughs> well, desensitize <laughs> them slowly. And it's my, my, horses, my horses are actually my best uh, practicing audience. Are they? <laughs> Yeah, because your family goes. I don't want to hear this again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I practice everything on them first, so they're they're very used to my singing and yodeling. Were they so glad you, you didn't? Kinda, were they glad you took up the guitar so- and not the drums? Yes. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> or the trumpet. Yeah, yes. I'm sure they were. <laughs> the drums wouldn't be bad because that's more like hoofbeats, you know? But, like, if she picked up the French horn or the yes, tuba or trumpet. something, totally different story. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Western music with a tuba? Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> And there's nothing worse than, than somebody learning a trumpet. It just sounds awful. Let's... Please, my daughter oh, was playing the does. saxophone. That's just as bad. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The saxophone too. My sister tried to learn saxophone for a little while before she decided it wasn't for her. And her room is right next to mine. <laughs> that was a, a bug in my ears a lot. <laughs> Well, I'm looking at your schedule here. We only have a few minutes left, but I want to talk about your website. It's uh, Kristen with a Y, K-R-I-S-T-Y-N, Harris.com. And on your schedule coming up, you have a lot of shows coming up. Yeah, I really have been getting busy. Well, that's terrific, and people can check out that schedule if you live, uh, well, you've got some shows actually in Colorado and California. You're going to be all over the place, New Mexico, so Ohio, yeah. Texas, Missouri, so uh, just check <laughs> Utah, too. Uh, check yeah. that out, and you can go see uh, Kristen perform. We appreciate We're going to play, you, you mentioned the one song, so we're going to play you out with one of those songs. It's Rocky Canyon. So we're going to, okay. that's the one you mentioned. We're going to play you out with that. And we do appreciate you being on. It's KristenHarris.com. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you. you haven't done much riding. Your weather's been kind of crappy up there in the Northeast. Oh, my horses are muddy, my fields are muddy, yeah. and my tack is sitting doing nothing. Yeah, I bet you're ready to get back in the saddle here. Very much. Very much. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We've played Run Out of Time. Be sure to tune in again next week as we'll have another Stable Scoop show for you. And you can find all of the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. 
Take See, we should both be in print today. <laughs> and uh, uh, join us on Wednesday mornings over at the Horses in the Morning show for our Wheel of Trivia. We've been getting a lot of people calling in and playing. Uh, we've had some kids calling in and playing. So the next time Gracie's off school on a Wednesday, have her call in. Okay. She can call in and play trivia. And they've been winning prizes, too. They've been getting Excellent. The, yeah, they've been getting the questions right. We had a little eight-year-old eight last week that uh, she called in and she answered. I think she got some help from Mom. Uh, uh, well, my kid gets no help from me. <laughs> oh, no, no. Baptism by fire. She wants, she's on her she own. wants to win something. She's going to have to study it on her own. We have all the Pony Club manuals here. She doesn't actually... She, she should know all the answers. There you go. <laughs> and we do a lot of uh, one of the uh, categories is horse management. So, And I think Jennifer gets those questions right out of the Pony Club manual. So she yeah. should be good. I love my Pony Club manuals, man. You learn a lot in those things. You really do. Yep. They're like the best, my favorite textbooks ever. Yep, exactly. Well, uh, Helena, we'll talk to you again next week. Yes, we will be back. There will be more. Until then, happy scooping. Happy scooping.